I glean in everybody's field, but I do my own grinding. Amen. And uh, I, I stumbled across a thought in an old, old magazine. An old magazine. And uh, I don't know, probably I, I guess if, if, uh, if I could go back and look it up, probably the magazine was at least 20, 22 years old. And I don't even know how it hung around that long, but maybe God designed that. And I, I found the thought, and I, I said, I like this. So I began to pray and read and research and study and dig. And I came up with this word from God entitled, I'm a friend of God. He calls me friend. And that just settled in my spirit. So, I, it, And it was all on yellow legal pad. I mean, I couldn't even read it because I wrote it. You know, Michael Bedard has the worst handwriting in Texas, but I'm like second behind him. I told him one day he handed me a note and I couldn't read it. I said, did you write this in tongues? <laughs> that wasn't real funny, but it was kind of cute, wasn't it? And, uh, and so yesterday the bishop was over to uh, Jerry and Rita's uh, 50th uh, wedding uh, anniversary and celebration and I brought this subject up to Brother Carrico. And uh, it, it was so, it wasn't even in the oven. I mean, it, it was just, and it, it would just kind of scribble all out. And so we were coming home from Waco yesterday afternoon, late, early evening, and Michael texted. And I said, Barbara, we got to go to town on our way home. She said, why is that? I said, well, you got to type a sermon that God gave me this week. Just one of those things where God just kind of click, click, click. How many of y'all have ever watched God do that? Let me see your hand. Isn't that great? Isn't that, don't you like how God does that stuff? And so in the middle of that, I, uh, I had my wife, and we finally left the office last night. Well, after 10, I looked down when we pulled out, and uh, we got home around 10, 20 or 10, 30 last night. Uh, and I want to thank her for... Uh, going in the office last night and pulling me out of the fire. I needed uh, I needed that really, really bad. And I could have dug back somewhere and got something that most of you have never heard, but this is fresh. Uh, how many of y'all like fresh bread over stale bread? Amen? I do. And I want to praise God for that. Uh, if If you will, go with me to St. John 15... Verses 14 through 17. St. John 15, verses 14 to 17. Ron, I guess you have everything rolling back there and we're ready to go. Okay. And uh, I'll give you a moment to find that if you have your little electronic device or whatever. And by the way, I'll be reading from the new King James Version. It's just a version that leaves out the these and the thous and the thuses and and that type of stuff. It's just a little bit more modern English. But in verse number, uh, St. John chapter number 15 and verse number 14, is Jesus, and, and before, after you find it, would you look back up here? After you find it, look back up here. This is the beginning, somewhere around chapter 13 through chapter 17, 
is now watch my hands here, if you will. This is that this is that climactic point where Jesus just kind of ups everything because his death is coming up pretty quick by the time this text was written. And he said uh, in this this great verse, "You're my friends if you do whatever I command you." No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master's doing, but I have called you friends. For all the things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. That you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. So whatever you ask in the Father's, uh, ask the Father in my name, He may give it you. And then uh, it says, "These things I command you that you love one another." And I'm gonna I'm gonna talk from that. He said, "I no longer call you servant, but today." I'm passing a new name down for you. It's called friend. Is that good? That's good. There's some old sayings about friends. One of them, when somebody uh, helps you do something and you thank them, they smile and say, that's what friends are for. You ever heard that? Let me see your hand. Amen. And then there's another old saying, when somebody... Has fouled up a little bit of stuff for you. And then you say, with friends like you, who needs an enemy? <laughs> friends are people that you have on a first name basis. Uh, the Bible said that a friend will remain or stick closer than a brother. And then you can also realize that friends are some something to you that you forgive. Could I see your hand if you ever had to forgive a friend? Job had two. <laughs> he had three guys. They were a trio, and they harmonized together, and they were not godly. But he called them friends. And Job lost everything he had and didn't get all of it back in double form until the Bible said in the last chapter of Job, the fourth Verse from the last verse in that in that book, he said, and when and the Bible said, and when Job forgave his friends, God restored to him everything he lost. So you have to forgive friends. Uh, how many of you know that uh, friends just show up sometimes, and when they do, in certain situations in their life, it really helps to see them. Right, it does. The longer you have a friend, the more important they are to you, and especially late in life. I was here yesterday and talked to Jerry, and uh, we, we had tears together a little bit because we were friends in school, in the old Corsicana High School, right across the backside of uh, uh, the, the, the soccer field where the uh, supermarket is. And we talked about things. And then there was uh, there was another thought I had about sometimes 
You don't understand your friends. Have you ever had a friend that you fully didn't understand? Could I see your hand? You, you loved them, but you didn't understand them. And then there was Jonathan and David were close friends. And you, uh, you do not become a friend to someone who's angry. The Bible said don't do that. If there's somebody hanging around you, then they're angry. Proverbs twenty two twenty four says, don't keep company with them. They're not your friend. Don't befriend them. People say, well, I just can't walk off. You want to make a bet? If you want to save your life, you can. If you hang around angry people all the time and all they do is yell and scream and fuss and cuss about everything going on and they hate everything in life and can't stand anything... If that's the way it is, you need to saturate that place with your absence. Get out while you're alive. And then uh, Proverbs 18.24 says, Friends also must show themselves friendly. You have to have that kind of friendship. And then John 4, uh, excuse me, James 4, uh, said to be a friend... To the world is to be at crosswise with God or at enmity with God. And the Bible also says, uh, one who whispers uh, will also separate good friends. Or if you're running around with somebody who's always saying, you know this, you know that, don't tell anybody this, don't tell anybody that, I'll never say a word about this. And you run around those kind of people. You know what they're going to do? They're going to separate you from your friends. And you could easily say, well, how do you know that? Well, it's just because I read it to you in the Bible just now. And it just happens. Uh, a friend loves at all times is what Proverbs seventeen seventeen says. And the word friend, in one form or another, like friend or friendly or friendship, is in the original canon, the Bible, over 110 times. I put together some research for you. As I sometimes say, I did your homework for you. Aren't you glad? Now, there's a vast difference between learning more about God and truly experiencing the presence of God's power in your life. There's a big difference. I know a lot of people who know a lot about God but they don't have that friendship with Him. In the Bible, there are accounts of people who not only knew God and Christ, but they were personally and intimately connected to them in the realm of the Spirit. Uh, consider the lives and experiences of those who first ran around with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to give you something here I want you to grasp. You've got to get it. You've got to get this if you don't get this. The train leaves with pretty much without you, okay? But in the New Testament, there's a revelation of six circles of friends, at least, that uh, had a relationship that they had formed around Jesus in some way or some method. Here it is. First of all, the crowds that followed him. Wherever he went, there were people tagging around behind him. How many of you understand that? May I see your hand if you understand that? And then there was another crowd called the 5,000. That's the crowd that he fed one day. You remember that? That was different from all those other little crowds that were just everywhere around. There's another group 
that was around Jesus a lot. And they were the 70 that he sent forth and commissioned and sent them out. And when he sent them out, they were in a circle with him to do what he said. Then I'm sure that you, uh, if your mind is in tune with the scripture pretty well, I'm sure that you know the next group that was around him, and that was his staff, the 12 disciples. He had uh, those guys, and that was the 12. And by the way, there was a time or two when he had, like all other leaders have, what we call staff infection. Would you nod your head on that one? You don't have to say amen. Just look at your neighbor and raise your eyebrows like he's right. And uh, when you look at the next crowd that was around Jesus, it wasn't the twelve. It was the three. Peter, James, and John. Right? And they were his inner circle. And then the last one was the one. And who would that be, Brother Johnson? That would be John the Beloved that the Bible says, whom the Lord loved. Has anybody got a mental yet of what I've put out before you? Can you, can you respond some way by saying amen or nod your head or wait, you know, raise your hand a little bit? Has anybody picked up a mental yet about what we have before us now? Now, all accounts of the gospel are bound together by some common thread. All of them are. They're called synoptic gospels. In other words, the story is told here and 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 here. And they're all kind of interwoven together. But if you look at the gospel according to St. John, uh, there are some things recorded in the book of John that were not recorded in the other three accounts. It does not make the Bible inaccurate, but it does, in fact, prove its accuracy. You see, the closer Christ got to the end of his earthly ministry, please grasp this, please get it, the more he talked about how important people were to him. The closer he got to the end of his life at the crucifixion, the more he talked about what people meant to him. And... There's, there's something to be said about uh, Jesus started this little trend in his ministry by sharing the Passover celebration meal with his friends. Amen? They were his friends. And then uh, he placed priority on serving one another. And by the way, don't get up and run because I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to make everybody scared to death and that kind of stuff. But he showed his Real love for them by being willing to wash their feet. I had somebody from a different denomination talk to me on the phone the other day. And she said, well, our cousin married so-and-so from a different denomination. Now, none of these are the fellowship I'm in. And my cousin said to me, well, I know one thing. They're weird. They still believe in washing people's feet. And I, I thought, that's not weird at all. The Son of God Himself did that to His disciples. And Peter jerked his feet back and said, you're not about to do that to me. And he said, if you don't let me wash your feet, I'm taking your part of the kingdom of God out right now. Get my scissors. I'm cutting your part out. And Peter backed down a little bit, right? 
And then he said, well, not me only, Lord. Don't, don't wash my feet. I said, he said, give me a bath. <laughs> but my whole body is what he said, right? Jimmy, can you imagine the change he made? Woo, just like this. Oh, feet? You know, dump me in the jacuzzi, pal. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in on it. And so uh, during that time when he had washed their feet, he shared his heart and soul with his staff. Uh, he predicted his betrayal, and the one who betrayed him was right there. And he prophesied Peter's denial to his face. You will do this. Some of you folks don't like preachers who do that. But Jesus did. You could say amen. Uh, he then turned and comforted them by reminding them of the words, Let not your heart be troubled. And he described himself as the way, the truth, and the life that really leads to God. Now I'm getting my foundation down, so in a minute I'll start throwing hand grenades at you, okay? And they'll start exploding, and you'll enjoy this. But I've got to get this down because I want you to get it in your head good. I want this to live inside your heart genuinely. He promised, next of all, that he would send the Holy Ghost to the believers. And uh, these were the last few days and hours before his crucifixion. Jesus did all this speaking to his disciples and spoke into them the right stuff. And then guess what happened? The next day, bang, he was crucified. He died on the cross. John thirteen twenty three, Not my text, but at least worth repeating. Along with four other verses in the book of John, says the disciple, John, whom Jesus loved. And in John fifteen twelve, he said, My commandment is this, that you love one another and you bind yourself together in a holy and divine love for each other. I've never seen a day in the history of the church world where that is less obeyed than in this century. I know of preachers that go to conferences that don't even stop and say hi. Amen? I know of preachers who walk in and walk out, and their agenda is so big in their own minds above friendships that they wouldn't go out and have a hamburger with you if you bought it and gave them a gift card back to the same place. I have seen... So much lack of real love in the body of Jesus. You see, there was a fresh, compelling, passionate word from, uh, from God, and John heard it. John had, a, had the remainder of his life. Listen to this. Jesus was about to be crucified. John was a younger man, and for the remainder of his life, until he was probably 92 years old, he pondered and thought on those things, and when he wrote first, Second and third John, guess what the subject was? Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. That's all he wrote about. There was an apostle guy who taught at a Bible college years ago. And his, he taught on God's love so much that everybody in the, whole, in the whole classroom, finally just in the whole grade, said, let's just nickname him Dr. Love. 
Let's just nickname him Dr. Love. That's all he talks about is the love of God. Let's just call him Dr. Love. And so they did, and one day Dr. Love in the summertime was pouring a new driveway of concrete at his house. And uh, he was getting it all leveled out, and it was still wet and soft and just spreading it out real good and thin and getting that smooth edge on it where he could pull his car up. And a bunch of kids ran right across the front yard and ran right through the concrete and just buried their little feet in it and splashed it everywhere and just kept on running. And he got so angry because he was sweating and tired and worn out and his back was hurting, crawling on his knees and doing concrete. He jumped up with a concrete trowel in and, and his hand and went to chase him, screaming, I'll get you! I'll get you! I'll get you! And his wife heard it and she ran outside. <laughs> and uh, she said, John, you're known as Dr. Love. He said, that's in the classroom. He said, this is in the concrete. <laughs> There's a big difference, see. And when you really love people, you can love them. And that's the classic example in the Bible. Uh, from that one statement, Jesus commanded a full, beautiful, fresh revelation to his disciples. He shows them that real love and the meaning of it is greater love than this has no man than to lay down his life for his, say it out loud, friend. Notice he didn't say servant. I no longer call you servant. Now, I call you friend. Is that rich? I don't know where your relationship is with him. But why don't you come on and get out of that mentality, oh, I have to, I have to, I have to, and start saying, Lord, let's be friends. Count me one of those that's worthy. Is anybody picking up where I'm going today? Are you, are you kind of moving in with this? I think that you are. I feel it in my own spirit. He taught them then with words, and then after that he acted his words out by action. And note that he did not portray this greater love uh, in the image of some war hero. He did not portray this greater love as a political prisoner. He did not portray this greater love as a dying family member. He chose to lay down his life for his friends. And the context was his friends, those with whom he had a relationship and even though many of them were not perfect, he went with them and to them and loved them. And then he went to the cross for them while they were in fear and fled. He was a supreme example. And he was his own personal example to show in depth what it meant to say, I consider you my friend. You see, uh, I, I don't know how to say this without being a bit offensive, and I don't mean it mean at all, but he was his own example. He talked it, and then he lived it, and he desires a relationship with his people. It was God that gave his life for all of us, and he wants a relationship with you as well. He didn't want to die 2,000 years ago and say, okay, it's done, do away with him now. No, he wants that walk with you. Here we are 2,000 years later. And, and, and we're at that specific time when we can say, I am a friend of God. 
He called me friend. And when I get there, and when, when I start living like that, then I'm going to have the Father making something known. I've called you friends for everything I have learned from my Father. Now I've made known unto you. Hallelujah. Jesus can talk to your heart about the things of God. Somebody shout amen. amen. Glory to God. You know, go ahead and give God a praise. I like that. You know, we like that around here. And, uh, and, and the beauty of all of it is that when he met the man in Gadara, you know what he did? He loved the devil out of him. Somebody said, I don't like them. They got demons. Start loving them. You know, you can love the devil out of some people. Come on, with God's help, you can do it. Y'all ain't convinced. Uh, but that's true, isn't it? You see, this is an invitation today. L- look at me. This is an invitation today from the throne of God, the Calvary Worship Center, this morning, because God ordained it a few days ago, and I had no clue I'd be behind this pulpit today, but God gave me this for you today, and this is an invitation from God above, and this invitation is simply saying to all of us now, I want you to move in to a new friendship with me and our fellowship and have food with you. And that is a move of God in your life. You see, this invitation was a real invitation, and he proved it by his death on the cross. We got a lot of words in our vocabulary to describe brothers and sisters in the church. Amen? Some are a little bit more harsh. They say words like, well, they're high-tempered or, you know, they have a big mouth or they do this or they do that. And I don't like them because they did so and so. But but there's some people that talk like that around. But let, let me also tell you something else, that there are other words that we describe Christians as. Are you ready? You note-taker? One of them's follower. Amen? I'm being pastoral today. I'm not camp meeting this morning, okay? Can y'all live with that one service? All right. Uh, Another one is disciple. Another one is servant. Another one, they say, that guy's a student of the Word. That means we're complimenting him for his love for the Scriptures. Then there's one called, he's a learner. That's a disciplined learner. That's a disciple. And then somebody said the other day about somebody, they said, well, they're, they're a child of God. How many of y'all like those descriptions of people in the church? A child of God. And then what about one that is referring to you as a Christian? Or what about, hey, that guy or that lady is a believer? So when you say follower, disciple, servant, student, learner, child of God, Christian, and a believer, uh, then let's ask one more question. What about saying someday, that's my friend. That's God's friend. Does that resonate in your spirit right now? Does that say something in your heart right now about what Jesus believes about us and what He says and does about us? You see, I know Him as a Savior, yes. But there's more than just a conversion. I got saved. Come on, say amen. If you are not saved, you're not going to go to heaven until you get saved. Forgive my bluntness. Somebody said, how do you know that? i got a book right here. And I believe every bit of it from Genesis to the maps. Come on, it can't be proven wrong. It's accurate. It's true. It's right. It's God's Word. It'll stand when heaven and earth is gone and is burned with fire. Guess what will still be here? The Word of God. 
Come on, body. Y'all need to help me a little bit here. I mean, the Word's going to be here. And, and you know what God has done for you? He's opened up a wide open door for you to get saved today and accept Jesus and repent of your sins. Let God cover your past and give you a new future in Him. Amen? That's what God's doing. You showed up here today. If you're not saved and right with God, this is your hour to be able to look Jesus in the face and Him look at you and say, Now you're my friend. Amen? Now you're my friend. I'd rather be a friend of God. I'd rather be a friend of God. Won't you look at your neighbor and say, I'm a friend of God. Amen. I'm a friend of God. You see, you know what a Savior is? A Savior is somebody you need. You know what a king is? He's somebody that you respect because of their position and their office. You know what a general is? A general is someone that you follow and obey. But a friend is somebody you can know and love. And that's what God has done to this world. You have proof, Brother Johnson? Yeah. What you learned in Sunday school. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. But everybody said out loud, but have everlasting life. Amen. I am a friend of God. Don't you love it? You know what we say to Him? We say to Him in the beauty of the gospel, I want your presence. We say, I want your righteousness. We say, I want your face more than I want your hand. I'm not asking for a handout. Just let me be there and let me see you. I want to know your will for my life. I want to die to self and be made alive in you. To be a servant, you're task-oriented. To be a friend, you're relationship-oriented. So I'm not here to just make my brow sweat and my back ache trying to do something for Him. I'm here to hook up with Him and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And when you do that, guess what? God will call you He said, I no longer call you servants, but now I call you friend. little wrap-up now, okay? Uh, Serving always begins with doing something, right? I've been amused in my life. Not terribly long ago, someone talked to Michael, and... uh, and let me just lay it out like it is so nobody will be mistaken. And you, Then you'll know that I'm not harsh or critical. But they said, uh, uh, we're going to be leaving the church. And uh, they said, maybe when we go to a different church somewhere, we can be used. And uh, Michael came and confided in me, and you won't ever know the name unless the Holy Ghost tells you. And, I doubt he'll do that. And uh, in fact, I know he won't. But I said, Michael, don't feel bad. They came here once a month on Sunday morning only. They wouldn't show up for a Wednesday night prayer meeting for $1,000. They didn't go to any fellowship and out group that we have. You couldn't hire them 
to come to church on Sunday night, but they'd sure get a bunch of families together and watch the Super Bowl while we was trying to worship God. They'd watch the Super Bowl on Sunday night. And I said, until those people change, God will never use them. So don't you worry about that. I know I'm offending a few people, but deal with it, okay? What did John Hagee say there when he, he said, get over it. Remember John Hagee? I love that guy. He'll kind of tell it like it is. And so I, I just want you to hear that. Serving always begins with doing something, but befriending always begins by knowing and understanding someone and having a heart for them. Well, uh, I, I want you all to know that what I said there was not meant to be harsh. But it's kind, of, it's kind of an eye-opener that says, in fact, servants do not pry into their master's business. Friends are regularly given an inside track, right? Would you agree with that? Amen. Uh, servants serve to gain approval of the master. Oh, I want you to approve of me. Watch me do this, Father. Friends serve because they have... Uh, Already possess the master's approval. I'm doing it because you approve of me. I'm doing it because when I see you, you're feeding me, and I'm and, and I'm growing off of you. Amen. And so, having said that, I want you to understand there are. Or, or let me ask the question: uh, How close can you get to Jesus? Does God limit you? Uh, does God put limits on how close we can get to Him? The answer to that is no. God's not going to limit you. If you don't believe that, ask Enoch in Genesis. The Bible said Enoch walked with God, and it says everybody else in chapter, they died, they died, they died, they died, they died. It said Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. He didn't die. He's raptured straight into heaven, right? Come on, say amen. That's what he was. Somebody said, wow, yeah, that's right. He was not an astronaut. He was a was not. He walked with God and was not, for God took him. And he's in heaven. By the way, if you don't understand this and know it, if you read the book of Revelation, he's coming back in the book of Revelation after the rapture. Come on, buddy. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. And if you don't believe God can just give unlimited process with you, let me tell you something else. Ask Elijah. Amen. He was carried out in a chariot in a whirlwind into heaven. And he had, he's never died yet. He's been alive, I think I figured up one time, 5,310 years in heaven. <laughs> he's been alive for 5,310 years in heaven right now, or right about right now. And, and, but he's going to come back in Revelation and die also. Because it's appointed that the man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. It's just going to happen. But where I'm going with this, if you don't believe God wants you to have a rich relationship, ask Moses. What kind of relationship with Moses? You know that Moses died in the Lord? Nobody else in the Bible has said that. But it said he died in the Lord. Look at me. Listen to this. And God buried him. And the devil showed up after the burial and said, where'd you put him? Do y'all know that's in the Bible? Could I see your hand if you know that's in the Bible? How many of you didn't know it was in there and you think, where'd you come up with such a bizarre story? God buried him. And when God buried him, the devil showed up and said, where did you bury him? 
I, I think I know why God didn't tell the devil that. The devil doesn't even know yet. But, but I think I know why God didn't tell him because there have been some of these denominations want to set up a shrine there and, and, uh, you know, and, and raise money. <laughs> Sorry about that. That just, that just squeezed out before I could hold it back. Uh, so, so God's not going to limit you. Oswald Sanders summed it up very well when he said, we're as close to God as we choose to be. You want closer, you'll get it. If you don't, you won't. And that's very strong and kind of not, you know, seeker-sensitive. And I'm not much of a seeker-sensitive person. I am considerate. I consider anybody who's seeking for God important to me. But the bottom line is this. How close can you come to Jesus? Can you get so close to Him today? How close do you want to be to Him? You can get so close to Him, He'll look you in your face and say, You're my friend. I don't call you a servant. I call you friend. I am a friend of God. Are you? If you're not, won't you just make this the day? Uh, in Jesus' mind, it comes down to one word. Everybody say it out loud with me. Friend. That's what it comes down to. I am a friend of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this hour. For these moments that I have spent here in the body of Jesus and have spoken on the things of God to this church, I pray that you will help us, especially today and tonight, to come back to the service where Chip and Lily will be presenting the third part of this great series. But before we leave the house, before we vacate the premises and go on our way, would you please allow someone in this crowd today who's never learned the real joy of a relationship with you? They were raised under an ethic that said if you don't work, and get out there and do it. It's not going to be good. And then you come along and say, No longer do I call you servant. But from here on, I'm calling you my friend. And because of that one sentence now, I don't have to go and act like a servant. But I get to. Do, I get to. I don't have to go to church, but I get to. I don't have to pray, but I get to. Because I have a friend. In Jesus' name, speak to this body. There's somebody under the sound of my voice right now who's struggled. They've contemplated walking out on Jesus. In their heart, sometimes they feel like it's a struggle 
to get up on Sunday and go to the house of God and give God that great day of their life. To others, it just seems like I've done this, but I'm not getting anything that I need. Tell them, God. I pray in Jesus' name, tell them that their mentality has been skewed the wrong direction and that you're their friend that remains closer than a brother. Talk to us, sweet Holy Ghost, please. Don't pulverize our hearts, just tenderize them. Give us a uniqueness from your hand. A voice from God that says, starting now, I'll be able and I'll feel free to knock on your door 24-7 because you're my friend. In Jesus' name, amen.